Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome again to part two of this series that we've uh, entitled One Christmas. And just a little bit of quick background on the theme for those of you who weren't here last weekend. Um, the reality is, is, is that unless you're uh, Griffin, um, Stroth, you've experienced a lot of Christmases over the years of your life. This isn't certainly the first one. And, and all of the, the Christmases you've experienced have made a difference and have produced memories and traditions that you cherish. Christmas for most it is a very awesome time of year. And yet, as great as all those things are, there's really one Christmas. One Christmas, 2,000 years ago, the first Christmas, that's the only one that has the power to truly change your life, or at least the activity of that one Christmas. And we're hoping that that one Christmas still changes lives and hearts today, whether it be for the first time or whether it be sort of a recalibrating so as to uh, remember truly uh, what this season is all about. And so it's good to spend some time uh, during these weeks unpacking not only Christmas, but the events leading up to that very first Christmas. And this is a, a time of year when kids all across the country are practicing songs and memorizing passages for their children's Christmas service at their church. And just kind of a side note for a moment, uh, some of you uh, maybe read in the service handout that we're not able to have our, our normal Christmas service for kids this year because of space constraints. Uh, but next week, uh, during both of our services, uh, the kids are going to sing uh, a couple Christmas songs for us. So, so look forward to that. But if you've ever been in charge of the children's Christmas service, if you've ever been the director, if you've ever been the helper, but especially if you've been the director, you know how much work goes into it. You know how much time there is behind the scenes to pick out the, the very perfect program, how long it takes to pick the right verses or lines for each person to say and or to sing. And you've got this, this script, if you're the director, if you're a helper, you've got this script for the children's Christmas service all planned out, and then guess what happens on the day of the service? You just basically hand the script over to a group of pre-K through fourth graders and just hope that the script gets followed. It is an act of faith, no doubt. And, and the truth is, is that many times over the years in a children's Christmas service, things haven't gone according to the script. In fact, there's an entire website and blog all about Christmas service directors writing things that happened that weren't supposed to happen in their kids' Christmas service. So I read about one from a few years ago. There was a, a third grade boy and his lines were very short, and that was a good thing because he was very nervous. He was the innkeeper, and so basically his role was to listen for Joseph, knock on the inn door, open the door, and as Joseph asked, is there room for Mary and I, he was supposed to say, I'm sorry, but there is no room here in the inn. So it's the night of the big performance, and he hasn't really been out amongst the, the crowd at all, and Joseph comes to that time where he knocks on the inn door, and this 
nervous third grader opens the door and he sees all the people sitting there and he just totally freezes up and he doesn't know what to say. He forgot his lines and Joseph asks, is there room here for Mary and I to stay the night? And he says, absolutely. Come on in. We've got room. (laughs) Now, you can read this. This happened, I think. Where does the Christmas story go after Mary finds a room in the hotel? I don't know where you go from there. But things did not go according to the script. And I think the reality is, whether it be in big ways or much smaller ways, that you can relate to that. Like if if you were to have written 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 20, 40, 50 years ago, what your life would have looked like today and all the events that leading up till today, I'm guessing that almost none of us would have written a script that carried out, that was carried out the way you experienced the last 10, 20, 40 years. And there's always things in our script that, that doesn't go the way that we would have hoped. There's always things in our lives that don't go the way that we had hoped. In fact, that's our first fill-in for today, that life doesn't always go according to script. Now, if, if this is not true for you, like I'm giving you the hall pass, you can leave right now because the rest of the sermon is not going to have any inkling or any application to you. But if you're someone in big ways or small ways where this is true, you stay right there <laughs> because I, I have some encouragement for you. But I would like to unpack this just for a little uh, bit before we get in to the scripture. You see, there's times where life doesn't go according to script and it was my fault. Or there was li- times life didn't go according to the script that you would have written, and it was your fault. Um, th- there's lots of examples of this. Let me give two. Let's say that your script was that you were going to become very successful at your job. And, and let's say that as you went after that, we find a person who was late to meetings all the time or who wasn't... Uh, um, nice to the people that he or she worked with, or just was lazy at work. Now, the reality is with those attributes, your script, in that case, climbing the corporate ladder is probably not going to happen. And whose fault was it? <laughs> kind of your own. Or, or maybe in marriages, you know, we have this, this, this script that we're going to be 85 and still holding hands. Right there, 85, and st- like at 40 sometimes, I'm still trying to get her to hold my hand. But 85, or no, 85 and still, that, that's a good goal to go after, right? That we're still, you and your husband or wife, still madly in love and supportive of each other. But the truth is that it takes work, doesn't it? It's not going to just happen. If that's your script, you have to be forgiving. You can't hold grudges. You have to put the work in for that to happen. Otherwise, well, things aren't probably going to go according to script. Those types of things that we have a little bit of control over is not what we're talking about today. Today, we're going to be talking about what I would say is probably the more frustrating time, and that is when you and I were seemingly doing all the right things and the script change just happened to us. It wasn't something that could be linked to something that we did. It's just that, well, God had other plans. And, and here's where life went. 
you were diligent at work. You did all the right things. And yet the paycheck does not show it. In fact, you even lost your job. You took your vitamins, you did all the exercises, you were a healthy person for the most part, and yet you're still dealing with all these chronic illnesses and pains and health problems. I mean, Lord, I did all the, I did all the right things. There are these times where things just happen to us. Today we're going to intersect with a woman, uh, probably better said a girl, um, at the very beginning of the Christmas account who could have related with you if a change of script has just kind of happened to you. Her name was Mary. She would become the mother of the Savior. And there's some things that we can learn from her when we have felt like Life just hasn't gone according to script. So let's get into our verses. It's Luke chapter 1. These are verses right after we left off last week. And you'll see the connection here. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So if you were here last week, you recall us uh, looking into these verses where Zechariah and Elizabeth were, were promised to have a child, even though Elizabeth had been barren for all of her life, and they, they were you know, way past childbearing days or years, and yet God was going to do this miracle. And in fact, we see here that he did. And so it's in the sixth month of that pregnancy, Elizabeth pregnant with John the Baptist, that God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. I'm going to pause there. Nazareth is just this little, at the time, hick town in Israel, up in the area near the Sea of Galilee. The truth of the matter is, no one important or influential had ever come from Nazareth. In fact, later in Jesus' ministry, someone comments after Jesus has been doing good things and people have been wondering if he's the Savior or not, they, they would say, has anything good ever come from Nazareth, right? It's not very influential to be from this town. You're just kind of a normal person if you're from Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. I want to point out this pledged to be married part. So the, the, the act of being pledged to be married at that time in the first century was probably most connected or most similar to our act of engagement. Um, a pledging period would be for about a year. Um, when you're pledged to be married to someone, it is as if you already were married, but you didn't live together yet. You hadn't had the wedding ceremony and you hadn't consummated the marriage. And, and yet you needed a certificate of divorce, actually, in order to break a pledge. The other thing I want to point out about the pledging, just to give you a, a full understanding of Mary, is that when we see Mary, her little figurine, in nativity sets, we often see, what, like a 25 to 30-year-old figurine, a white Caucasian. Like, there's a lot wrong with American nativity scenes. The wise men, we've talked about that before. They should be, you know, down the block somewhere with a little sign, we're coming, but we're not there yet. You know, they weren't at the manger. But Mary, she looks different than she should have. She was not 30. She was the normal marrying age at the time, which would have been 14, 
13. Don't think woman, think teenager, think eighth grader. Think freshman in high school. And, and the reason I mention this is I just want you to, to understand Mary's background. She's from a, a nowhere town. She's just a normal teenager. And yet God is going to choose her for something. The last thing that the writer writes is this, or that I want to point out at least, is that Mary was a virgin. Now, I, I just would highly recommend if you're introducing someone not to, that's just kind of a weird way to introduce someone. Here's Mary. She's from Nazareth. She's a virgin, right? Not the normal way to introduce someone, but if that caught you off guard, the, I'm pointing it out because it's going to come in really important in just a little bit. Verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, I just want to unpack the word highly favored. It's a, a word that is actually connected to the Greek word for grace, okay? And grace means undeserved love. So it's an, it's an adjective based off of the noun grace. Maybe a different way to translate this to give you a full flavor is you who have received God's undeserved love. You, Mary, who are the recipient of God's grace. Now, if someone would start off a sentence to you with these words, greetings, you who are the recipient of God's grace. That's a good thing. That's a good way to start a conversation. It's alerting Mary that likely something good is going to come after it. Verse 29, what does come after it? Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Not that she was worried about the words, but just there's this angel talking to her. It's it would trouble you, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, just to be clear, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor or grace again with God. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. This is going to be a very special child who is going to be considered the Son of God and not just the Son of Mary. Next verse. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He's going to be a kingly son. Someone who's going to have power and prestige and influence. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants, over the, the people of Israel forever, his kingdom will never end. This angel appears to Mary, and we find out right away that um, the Savior is going to come through her, through Mary. And, and I just want to pause there for a moment and, and ask you, if you are going to write the script— of how the perfect son of God would come to earth, how would that look? I'm guessing not like this. From a, through a no one from nowhere. <laughs> I mean, I, I would, if it were up to me, the script would look like, you know, clouds and trumpets and Danny playing guitar and singing and like all this stuff, right? Because this is the Son of God. And yet, we see that that is not the script at all. 
for the coming of the Savior. And while there is hints at this in the Old Testament that Jesus would come, the Son of God would come through pretty, well, this wasn't totally natural because God was involved, but through a normal birth, you have to imagine Mary just wondering a little bit about this or a lot bit about this. And, and here's the thing that I, I want you to know. It's our next fill-in. When God rewrites the script, he always writes a better story. When God writes the script for how the Son of God would come to this earth, he writes a better story than if you would have allowed me to write it. And here's why. I don't see the full picture like he does, and neither do you. You see, this is the way through a woman that the Savior needed to come. And we had a whole series on this a few years ago, why Jesus needed to be God and a human being at the same time. But I'm going to condense all that into about a minute, okay? So Jesus needed to be true God for this reason. He needed to be sinless. And there is no human ever conceived that was sinless because of our sinful nature, except for Jesus, because he was of God. God put a sinless being inside of Mary, using her DNA. He was part Mary because he was also fully human, but he was God because he, our Savior needed to be perfect. And he had to be a fully human for this reason, because God doesn't die. <laughs> and so he needed to be a human to face the same temptations that we do. He needed to be human so that he had the capacity to be the sacrifice, the death sacrifice that we needed. And there's this, this, um, this amazing miracle going on that, like, I don't fully understand exactly how it all worked, but I believe it with all my heart because I know that God can do things that don't totally make sense to me. But we have God with skin on. God <laughs> In a bod is like I used to tell my confirmation kids. That's what we have in Jesus. True God and true man. Now, that's a pretty awesome script. It's the only script that would allow us to have our sins forgiven, friends. So how does Mary respond to this announcement? She asks, how will this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? Well, the only way that a virgin can become pregnant is if God has a really big part in it. And I would probably, if I were Mary, having, be having the same question as what she had there. I um, just want to point a couple things out about this question. Um, last week, Zachariah asked a question to the angel, like, how will this be? How will Elizabeth be pregnant? And what happened to him? He couldn't talk for nine months. Like, whammo, don't ask questions. And we, might, we might get the idea that God doesn't want us asking questions. Let me just tell you that's not true. Okay? I want you to see that Zachariah's question and Mary's question came from different places. And how I know that is because God's reaction to them through the angel were very different. For Zachariah, his reaction of how can this be, that question came from a spirit of doubt, like, he maybe even, although it's not recorded, did one of these. <laughs> like one of those. They, I don't know how you write that. But Zechariah, that, that's the, the type of question he had. <laughs> how can that, that's not going to happen. You know how old we are? And he doubted and God closed his mouth. Mary's question, well, 
These are the questions that I hope we all ask. We hear the things of God, we believe them, but we want to learn more. We want to explore. In fact, a little bit of a sidebar here. I sometimes get worried when I talk with people about really big biblical concepts and they have no questions at all. And here's what I worry about. I worry or wonder whether they really care. Because what I just said, I have questions about. And maybe they're just thinking them. But I don't want you to ever feel bad if you have questions about God. I want you to always trust him and come back to faith in him and recognize there's going to be some things that you're just not going to understand. But to have questions, that's a godly pursuit. Gabriel was not upset. God was not upset with Mary for this question. How can this be? (laughs) I am a teenage girl from Nazareth who's a virgin, and I don't know how things work with you angels, but around here in Nazareth, 14-year-old virgins don't tend to get pregnant, okay? That's the question. How can this be? Verse 35, the angel answered, here's how it'll be. The Holy Spirit is going to come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is a a fancy way of saying that this is going to be all about what the Holy Spirit is going to give you and do through you. So the Holy One to be born is not going to be called the Son of Mary necessarily, although He is, but He will also be called the Son of God. Verse 36. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive back to Elizabeth, is in her sixth month, for no word of God will ever fail. And so, the only way that a virgin can be pregnant is if God has a really big part in it. And that's exactly what happened. God gave this unwed woman, this virgin, a child. Talk about things not going the way they were scripted, huh? I mean, I don't know at what age girls start thinking about their weddings. Probably depends on the girl. But it's long before they get married. And I'm, I'm sure that Mary had certain ideas on how things were going to go when it comes to her, her wedding and how the dress was going to fit just right how the food was going to be awesome and how the DJ was going to be awesome and they're not going to play the Macarena. I was really specific with the DJ. No Macarena at this wedding, okay? Like she had all these, I don't know what the details were, but she had all these ideas, right? This is how my wedding is going to go. And God through Gabriel comes, takes Mary's script figuratively, puts it in a ball (laughs) and throws it to the side. That's not how it's going to be. And this this is going to be very hard for Mary. Because in just a few months, she would begin to show. And when that happened, people would start to talk. And so instead of being excited for her wedding, I have to imagine there's some apprehension First off, what's Joseph going to do? Because I could tell him, no, it's not what you think, Joseph. 
there's an angel and then God, and he said he's putting it in me. And like, Joseph's going to be like, yeah, I'm sure, right, uh uh-huh. Because that always happens, (laughs) like never, only once ever. (laughs) So what's Joseph going to do? Mary's probably thinking through her 14, 15-year-old brain about other people she's heard about or known that got pregnant out of wedlock and how the, the punishment for that often was taking that young girl outside the city and stoning her for her adultery. That had to be on her mind. It would have been on mine. She shows herself throughout the Bible to be not a perfect person, but someone who cared much about what God thinks. And from this point forward, for the rest of her life, for people who are ignorant or who didn't believe, she would be given labels that no respectable girl or woman would want to have attached to her name. You see, she understands the script not going in the right way. It's as if God took her script and (laughs) threw it to the side. So how does she respond? How does she respond? She says, oh, did we get fill in number two? Yeah, we did. Okay. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And I've, I've known this section, read through it many, many times, many, many years, and I, I'm still so struck by this 14 or 15-year-old's response to this very hard life change. She accepts it. She says, I am the Lord's servant. I am going to follow you. She responds in a way that almost seems unbelievable, doesn't it? This is really, really hard to do. You you know what comes naturally? What comes naturally is to do this when the script changes. All right, God, I know you threw the script over here. Let me get it. Now, did you really read through this? I mean, in chapter 2, things were supposed to go this way. I mean, you didn't even read it, did you? (laughs) And we hold on to the script that we think how our life should go, for better or for worse, so, so hard. And and so maybe today, one of the things that, that you need to do before we get to the good stuff is, is to just spend some time and to know it's okay to mourn a script that's been thrown to the side. I don't want you to stay there, but I want to acknowledge that sometimes we have to mourn a script change. It's hard to know that life went in a path that you weren't ready for, or in big ways or little ways, things in life not being exactly the way you want. We can all relate, but you need to then come to the place that I'm sure Mary was. It's our next fill-in. You can confidently submit to God's script. If you say that fast enough, submit and script rhyme, and that's, that's the most important part of fill-ins is that they rhyme. You can confidently submit confidently submit to God's script. So how do we get there? How did Mary get there? It's probably a a lot to it. 
But in the, the scripture verses we're looking at today, I think the best thing we could do is just to go back to the very beginning and the greeting of Gabriel to Mary. And how did he start? You, what? Who are highly favored. You, Mary, and I'm going to be sharing some tough stuff with you, but you are someone whom God loves with an undeserved type of love. I want you to know right from the beginning how I feel about you, Mary. And yes, script's going to change in just a little bit, but I love you and I care about you and I want what's best for you. And God chose Mary for this difficult but great work being the mother of Jesus. And she submitted to God's script. God chose Mary to be the mother of the Savior, but in no less big of a way. God has chosen you to be his child. How do I know that? Because you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And not because of anything you do. You and I are no ones from nowhere. No one's going to remember us 100 years from now. Maybe even 10 years from now. Who knows, right? We're no ones from nowhere who God chose by his grace to love us. You're the reason Jesus came to earth. You're the reason Jesus spent nine months in Mary and then was born in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You're the reason why Jesus went to the cross. He chose you. He thought of you before he came. And he wants you to be with him forever in heaven. You can confidently submit to God's script. And the reason is, our last fill-in, confidence in God's script develops from confidence in God's love. And I'm going to... Uh, this word develops was chosen on purpose because it's not like something that can happen or does happen usually just like at a snap of a finger. Like all of a sudden now I'm always confident in God's script. No, there's good days and bad days. But you know what? When you more understand God's love, your confidence in his story for your life is going to grow too. And isn't it, isn't it awesome to be confident that the script is going to be okay? I think of the, the carefree nature of children, right, in many ways. Like we're in a season of colds and sicknesses and there's oftentimes vitamins or, or syrups or whatever that we need to give to kids when they're sick. And, you know, the interesting thing is they don't usually ask you, what is that before they eat it or drink it? Which is just, a, it's weird, isn't it? Like, they might ask, how does it taste? But they just drink stuff with prescription on it. Why? Because mommy said it's going to be okay. <laughs> Why do they do that? Because they have confidence in your love for them. And so they just follow. I want you, friends, to be confident that God loves you immensely. Christmas is proof of it. And when we see that script and how God made it work, we can be confident in God's script for us.
There's some things maybe that you're mourning right now when it comes to how you thought life would be. I'm guessing it's probably not as bad as you think. (laughs) With Jesus, I know that to be true. And today, I just want you to be more confident that wherever God has led you, it's right exactly where you should be because the one who loves you is the one who's also writing the script. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sure this is a room filled with people who in big ways or small ways have experienced life not going exactly the way they had planned or thought. Dear Lord, when that has become or has been a result of lack of trust, I just ask you to forgive us for not trusting you the way we should. And then fill us with the knowledge of your love and help us to recognize that we can be confident in the script because we have a God who has shown his love so immensely. We pray all this in Jesus' name and also pray together.